What's up, everyone? My name is Austin Kinsall, and you're listening to the Weekly Football TrioCast. Today, I am joined by Giovanni Falzone. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another week. And unfortunately, Anthony couldn't make it today, um, so we will have to do the podcast without him this week. We're the duo cast for this week. We're going to call it the Weekly Football Duo Cast episode. But let's get straight into the news. We have some big news, but we're going to start off with a little bit of smaller news first because there's three big head coach hirings, which we want to talk about in depth. But uh, quickly, Tua, the quarterback for Alabama, entered the draft. That was big news Um, from the standpoint of the draft board. You know, our team's going to go for him. Our team's not going to go for him. Uh, well, we could talk. We'll talk about that more in the off season when we talk about our our drafts and stuff like that. And then the other news uh, of any sort of no- noteworthy is Wade Phillips is no longer the defense coordinator of the Rams. He's a well known defense coordinator. Um, I don't know if he'll get another chance anywhere, but you know, it's, it's it was on a, a a lighter note compared to the other big three news that we're going to talk about. But do you have anything to say about Wade Phillips before we move on? Well, yeah, I think Wade, you know, it has to be the, at this point in his career. Uh, he definitely got some new life breathed into him as he joined a young head coach in Sean McVay. I think it has to be a situation like that, a team with talent, a team with assets, draft picks, that sort of thing, and a team that he thinks, you know, he could maybe do one to two years with. But I could definitely see him also retiring just as easily. Uh, he's been a great defensive coordinator. Um, not so much as a head coach, but, you know, he's had his really good moments um, coordinating defense and he'll be remembered for what he's done for the Rams and the Broncos and um, a, a, as far as recent years goes. But he's been around for many, many years on many different teams. And, uh, yeah, he's just uh, he's 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 son of bum. You know, he's basically a, a defensive um, juggernaut in the NFL for many years and from a defensive family. Yeah, and you know him pretty well from his years with the boys. Yeah, um, he was there. Uh, and real quick, even like Austin said, guys, with the with the uh, Tua decision, leaving Alabama and coming uh, entering the 2020 NFL draft, uh, the big report you're going to see or the big headline, the big rumor will, will likely be Miami because the order right now is Cincinnati, and then you have Washington, Detroit, New York, Miami. So... The likelihood is Cincinnati is going to get Joe Burrow. Then those three teams likely don't take quarterbacks because two of them just took ones in the first round a year ago. And Detroit um, has paid Matthew Stafford, and he's still relatively young. So it'll be about other teams maybe jumping ahead of them. But if Miami wants him and he's their guy, he's likely to go there. But we'll talk about that closer as we get to draft season. Yes, we will. We'll we'll try to... We're not we're not draft experts. We don't watch college football like like religiously where we we could tell who who's a pro, who's not a pro, you know, like like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. Gio's a little bit better at it because we talk sometimes and he knows uh, more than I do. And so does Anthony. Um, but, you know, we'll try our best to yeah. put out mock drafts for like the first round or think think about who's going where. But please don't look at us like we're Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and they're like. What are you doing? Just wanted to give that heads up now while we're on the topic. But let's move in to the big three head coaches that have been hired recently. We'll start off with the Carolina Panthers because the other two teams have big affiliation with our fandom. So we'll just start with the the minor of the three. Matt Rule, former Baylor head coach, hired for the 
the head coach being position at, at the Carolina Panthers. Um, this one caught me off guard. I mean, I knew he interviewed for them, but just the way it went about with another team, the Giants, where it seemed like he had such a big connection with the Giants, but then he didn't even get an interview, and then he just signed with the Panthers out of the blue. It was just a weird situation that I did not see coming, but, you know, I think it could be good for the Panthers. He, he It just depends on if he keeps Mr. Cam Newton. Does he get rid of him? What does he want to do? Can he keep up the same sort of play style where the offense is run through McCaffrey? Cause that's clearly their offense. Um, and you know, we'll see what happens with it. Uh, what do you think about the, the hiring? Do you think it came out of the blue with the whole giant situation? Do you like it? Do you hate it? I like it. Um, I would say I go as far as to say I really like it in terms of the Panthers and what they're getting. Um, if you listened a week ago, I'm a fan of uh, Matt Rules. I think, um, you know, Matt Rule, he, I mentioned in the previous podcast, this is, a, this is a guy who's turned around programs. At least we can speak to that and say he's done that. I talked about the, the, the black cloud, if you will, that hovered over Baylor University, and rightly so for the things I don't have time to get into, but... Um, everything that they were accused of and 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 really just took part in as a university um, under Art Bryles and everything that happened there. And, and, and the job that he's done since he's gotten there has been admirable. I mean, this year they were very competitive. Uh, you look at the Baylor team and they lost to a, a playoff team twice that they had on the ropes in one time um, – with a very large lead and then another time with a back and forth game in losing their, not only their starting, but their backup quarterback as well down to their third string at one point. And then they, you know, they lost to an sec powerhouse team in Georgia and Georgia, you know, um, was a team that also, um, you know, was really competitive up until they met LSU in the sec championship game. So I like the way his team showed up and played, uh, a lot this year, but even going back to his Temple days, and he helped turn that program around. Um, didn't ever watch that, um, but I, I've heard, you know, I've, I've looked at his records, and he did make some pretty drastic turnarounds to ten, you know, teams that would only win two games to now winning 10, 11 games. Uh, that's that shows promise in the college ranks. Now, why is this big for the Panthers? I think because David Tepper, the new owner, you know, just as recent as a year ago, you know, everything that happened with Jerry Richardson. Um, selling the team and then him coming in him firing Ron Rivera was a little shocking to a lot of people but it's like he wants to get his guy and he feels like Matt rules his guy so he's starting off from the top and saying hey this is yours I want you to build it the biggest question mark Austin and you mentioned it is what's going to happen with Cam I don't to be honest with you I don't know what this means for Cam I don't know if Cam is still going to be pushed out the back door um, is he going to be traded? Is he going to be kept? And they're going to build an offense around him. I don't know if Matt Rule is going to say, hey, look, I like the success that Cam has had in his career. Let's build around that. Let's 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 do what he does well. You know, kind of like with John Harbaugh, Greg Roman, not that they're the same player, but what he's done with uh, Lamar Jackson this year. And just creating a system again that gives Cam the, to play with the confidence that we've seen Cam play with. One last thing I'll mention before we move on, Will Greer. They let him get, you know, he didn't look good, but again, it was toward the end of the season. They let him get in there and see what was up with him after, you know, Kyle Allen really unraveled after his first few starts that looked great. And then teams, you know, learned to game plan against him. But Will Greer's interesting. 
um, because if I'm not mistaken, um, they they were in the same conference. So Matt Rule being at Baylor in the uh, um, help me out, Big Twelve, right? Yeah. But yeah, sorry, yeah, Big 12, I, I had a brain fart there. And then also West Virginia, if I'm not mistake, mistaken, being in the Big 12. I, I don't know if they ever played each other. I can't really speak to that. But my point is they drafted a quarterback a year ago, and you have Matt Rule, a head coach in the same conference, seeing college players. I think David Tepper wanted a college coach because he also wants a guy who can really hit a home run with this draft. This will be their first draft with him as owner. Um, and so I think that was huge for him. And so that's why I think uh, they went this route with Matt Rule. Yeah, we will see what happens. It's an interesting hire. Like I said, just from the standpoint of it was just I felt like he was so strongly connected with the Giants. But speaking uh, yeah, of the Giants more to that when we get. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the Giants, um, they went out and hired. Joe Judge, the former Patriots special team slash wide receiver coach, um, he's the new head coach for the New York Giants. And it came out of nowhere. I mean, I knew they interviewed him, but it, just on the same situation with Matt Rule, it it, it kind of was Matt Rule went to the Panthers, and then like 20 minutes later, Joe Judge was rumored he was going to the Giants. And um, that caught me off guard. I was like, this escalated just completely really quickly, but apparently just from things that I've heard, he in his interview blew them away with just, I guess whatever he said, I don't know the contents of an NFL head coaching interview, but he blew them away apparently. And he's also learned under Belichick and Saban. Now that doesn't mean he's going to succeed, but those are two pretty good people to learn under. So hopefully he picked up some tips and tricks and I have heard some of his former players that, that he coached on special teams said he's he's very good with details and he, he does his homework, does his research like you should, but he's he's apparently a very good person with that. I'm a firm believer in you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. Prime example, if you're an NBA fan, Porzingis for the New York Knicks got booed like crazy. New York thought they got a scrub. Mm-hmm. Goes out there, does pretty well. All of New York is like, wow, maybe he wasn't that bad. Same thing goes with players. You might not think this player is going to do all that well, and he kills it. You might think this player is going to do very well, and he sucks. You never know what's going to happen. This guy could go in there, and he could do great. Or he could go in there and do bad. You never know. So I don't like that people are judging him before, I mean, pun intended judging him before he does anything was it the flashy hire was it the biggest name on the market no but i i say you got to give him a chance he could turn the team around in the right direction or he could just be another two-year head coach and out of there but then i think at that point well i think we'll be firing somebody else at that point mr gettleman but i've said my piece geo do you have anything to say about the Giants head coach hiring. Yeah, so first off, I got to be honest, up until a week ago, I didn't even know who Joe Judge was. Um, I never heard about him before. And, you know, I think that's even for those uh, who are involved and very close to the league, I think they would probably say the same unless you have some kind of connection with him. Uh, he's 38 years old, like Austin mentioned, former uh, 
special teams and wide receivers coach at the Patriots. And prior to that, he was a, a, a an assistant under Nick Saban at Alabama. Now, in theory, those sound great. Those sound like, okay, he's coming from two of the best, you know, one a program, one a pro football team places that you can come from. But that's where I have the problem is because I believe he strictly got this job and as quickly as he got it based on association. Um, I don't know that to be true. This isn't an attack on Joe Judge and his credentials and what he can do and what he will do. But what it come what it comes down to for me is this: there were other people out there that David David Dave Gettleman could have interviewed, could have talked talked to at least, and and just just see what's out there. Did, was Josh McDaniels willing to return the call? There's reports out there that Matt Rule said, "I want to come back to New York." You know, he was only known as being an offensive line assistant coach back in the day, but he wanted them to match the offer that Carolina uh, offered him. And I was told, you know, based on reports and reading it, that they, they said, no, we're not willing to do that. Matt Rule signs with the Panthers. And like Austin mentioned, 20 minutes later, we get Joe Judge. So this is all very interesting. I think, like I said, there's other guys out there that could have got this job. I truly don't know if he's deserving of going from a wide receiver or even a special teams coach. And he's never been an offensive defensive coordinator straight to being a head coach. Now, there's rumors that Jason Garrett could come in as the OC, which would provide some stability as a, you know, kind of like a Sean McVay, Wade Phillips situation. Although I like that one a lot more because Sean McVay definitely had more credential, even though he's young as well, uh, than Joe Judge at the time. And Wade Phillips, I think, gives more credential than Jason Garrett. But that's the only comparison I can think of that would even remotely make sense to the situation. But now let's talk about the Giants. And here's a place where me and you could kind of go back and forth and debate this. This is a franchise, a cornerstone franchise. I am not, I'm the furthest from a Giants fan. You know, there's only one team I really hate, and it's the Philadelphia Eagles. That's, that's the honest uh, truth about it. But I dis, I would say I dislike the Giants. I respect them because of the players they've had, the Super Bowls they've won, uh, and the way they've gone about business. But with Dave Gettleman, and you look at the last, uh, you know, five, you know, four or five years, you, every two, three years, Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, and now Joe Judge. I don't know if Joe Judge is the answer. Nobody knows, as you admitted, Austin. But let's be real about the Giants as a, as a whole. I, they're the worst team record-wise in the last three years in the league. This isn't Cincinnati. This isn't Cleveland. You can't get away with that. And now he's going to be under the biggest microscope because they've drafted in the top five or six for the last several years because of their poor record. It's honestly shocking. I, I did not know that to be true, but they have the worst record. They're 12 and I believe 32 in the last three years. That's the worst in the NFL. They you, are. That, that's unbelievable to me. And, and when you look at what they have in the pieces, I've talked about it before. Darius Slayton might be the fifth option on that team. You have Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Saquon out of the backfield, Evan Ingram when healthy. You, you believe, well, at least the GM does, that they have their guy. In Daniel Jones, and you want to limit turnovers, you bring in this young head coach who doesn't have any experience in a franchise like this. And I look at the division that they're in. I can't, but you know, you're right. Don't don't judge it until you know, pun intended, until we see it. You know, we don't know until you till you try it. I get that, but there's too many people, too many jobs on the line with people making tons of money to p- predict, to evaluate. Mike McCarthy wasn't splashy either. But he's got the resume. Ron Rivera wasn't splashy either, but they they moved quickly and before anybody else and said, you're our guy. 
not splashy, but has the resume. Doug Peterson, you know, as much as I don't like the Eagles, like I stated, he's got he's got a little bit of a resume now. You look at Joe Judge and that team in this division, even from a talent perspective where they're lacking, they need to fix this and fix this quick. If Dave Gettleman says, oh, we need another two to three years to rebuild, that's a problem in the NFL. There is no two to three years to rebuild. There are teams that make the Super Bowl and then miss the playoffs. If there's any sport that has any bit of parity and teams that can be really great one year and really bad in the next, it's the NFL. So to suck for year after year after year after year and say it's because we're rebuilding, that that can't be. You have the Rams who are sitting at home that represented the NFC a year ago. You have the Patriots who've, who've been in the Super Bowl for years who are now s- sitting at home after a wild card loss at home. This is the NFL. There's no time to waste. And so there's a lot of pressure on Joe Judge. Um, I hope he does well. I, I don't wish anything bad upon it but the the reality of the situation is they've been a poor team that executes well in 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 divisional games in spotlight games and i just don't know if they're this was the guy i think they could have waited i think they could have looked at some other more qualified candidates and that's my biggest issue with him is i don't know he could end up being really good but with this team assembled and this being the franchise they're not the Bengals who can get out from under in two years and wipe their hands clean. This is the New York football giants. And so what do you, what do you got to say to that? And, you know, what are some of your thoughts? Uh, I said my piece, but I just got one more thing to say. A big thing that I saw they compared this to was when John Harbaugh got hired by the Ravens. He was a special teams coach and he turned out pretty darn well. He might win the Super Bowl this year with with that team. And he's won one before. Yeah, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying, you know, I'm trying to remember who he replaced in Baltimore. It's not – I'm not remembering it right now. I think it was Brian Belichick. Is that the guy's last Uh, name? Brian Billick. So that's the other thing. He he was coming in. He was coming in. It was a little bit different because Ozzie Newsome – if we want to talk about GMs, Dave Gettleman can't even shine his shoes. So, like, that's the problem. It, the, the, the franchise was – now, they're both great franchises. Baltimore Ravens are a very new franchise compared to the Giants. Uh, so, But from the, from the top down, there was already structure. And I don't know how old he was at the time of hire. But, yes, he was a special teams uh, coordinator. But here's the other thing. Baltimore has always been known for defense and special teams, and so has New England. But my only pushback on Joe Judge getting credit for the special teams is anyone heard of Matthew Slater? He's the, I mean, he's been there for several seasons, seven, eight, nine years, and always making the Pro Bowl and always leading. He's the leader of that special team. So, yeah, he's the coordinator. He made the calls. Uh, He, you know, he was in charge of putting the unit out there. But Matthew Slater is the reason why, and any Patriots fan uh, would agree with that, why their special teams is always known for what it is. And then if we go to his positional coach part, he was the wide receivers coach. Many agree that that was the worst group, and and that's not necessarily his fault, but let's be real, they weren't schemed open. Sanu was traded for a second-round pick. That's a Belichick problem, Belichick move. But my whole point in saying that is it is similar from the special teams part. But it's it is it is also different. I also like it from the standpoint of we got somebody new. Yeah, maybe we should have somebody with experience, but 
maybe this is something good for us. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he'll bring some innovation to the team instead of it's possible instead of the foolishness that we've been dealing with. But it's all good. Let's talk about your coach now, Mr. Mike right. McCarthy, hired as the Cowboys head coach. Um, I'll say a little bit on it, and then I'll let you go since you'll have some some words to say about your team. Uh, I, I I don't I don't know. I, I felt like it was just like a, a safe hire. I feel like they should have gone for something new. It just kind of felt like yeah, just replace Jason Garrett with a guy who who could potentially be like Jason Garrett. Just kind of knows you know knows the league been there for a while proven coach type of deal um which could be good or bad you know they maybe they could have gone the route of somebody flashy or somebody new but you know i i am with other people when they say this i think the main reason they hired mccarthy is because jerry jones knows he's not going to outshine shine him it's it, we all know this is jerry jones's team He's he wants to be the main focal. It doesn't matter who's on that field. Jerry Jones wants to be, you know, he wants to be the focal point. Um, so I think that's maybe my standpoint on it. I think they hired McCarthy because he was like, you know, he knows the league. He's he's a well known coach. He he was successful um, from those standpoints. It's really good. But I think they just hired him because they know it's. It's not like a flashy guy. He's not going to get a lot of media attention. He's just kind of got to go in there, do his job, which could be a good thing. Um, so, what do you, what do you think about your hire? I'll let you take the floor here. Well, honestly, my my initial um, reaction to the hire was okay. We interviewed him, so I can see why you know this was uh, an option for us. But I liked it. I didn't love it from the standpoint of. I, you know, my personal choice, which was he even a, a, an option? I don't know. But I, I said uh, uh, offline to uh, you and to Anthony, I, I prefer us to go after a guy like Herm Edwards. Um, also, a lot of head coaching experience, uh, a player, um, a high caliber one at that. He, and now would he leave the college ranks? You know, I think he's done great at Arizona State. Nobody really talks about it because they play out west in the Pac-12. But they, they did beat Oregon this year. They've had some really key wins, and they're just a good program that nobody even talked about really before he got there. So it's been great to see what he does. I just like his moxie, his attitude, uh, and some of the things that he's done over the years for Cowboys players. If you remember a guy in 2015 who slid in the draft, Randy Gregory, didn't really pan out. He had his flashes in the league. But, you know, I'd hear countless stories about Herm Edwards mentoring him not just as a football player, but more so as a man off the field and trying to get his life together. And so those are some of the things that I wanted. I wanted a guy who would not only just make better football players, but better men. I think this team needs to be held accountable. They need to hold each other accountable because the talent is there. Everyone talks about the talent. And I'm not so sure at some positions they're as talented as everybody thought. So back to Mike McCarthy. As much as I would have liked a Herm Edwards, there are rumors of people on ESPN reporting that uh, there would be interest maybe for Tony Dungy, not from the Cowboys side, but other people who would want that as an option as well. Uh, neither of those were options. They interviewed interviewed excuse me two people, Mike McCarthy, Marvin Lewis. Um, say what you will, you know about both of them. They're both experienced head coaches, decade plus as head coaches. 
um, and in in deck in years and years of experience as assistants and coordinators prior to that. So from that standpoint, I love it. I love that Mike McCarthy has been with Brett Favre, uh, Aaron Rodgers in his early in in the late part of the career of Joe Montana. Um, now, what does this mean for the Cowboys? Well, reports are that we're going to keep Kellen Moore. He likes Kellen Moore as a young play caller. Who's going to call the plays? We don't know that yet. Uh, he's already brought in Mike Nolan, the D, uh, linebackers coach from the Saints, and he's turned Demario Davis, who was already a good player, into a household name, in my opinion. Um, and the other kid, um, they even got Kiko Alonso playing well at one point, who no team wanted. So, uh, But the other kid, Alex Anzalone, I think it is, they, they had a strong linebacking core, so he coached them up. They're, they're talented guys, and that's something that Dallas has, is young, talented linebackers. So... How will that translate now as Mike Nolan was brought in by McCarthy? My biggest reason for liking it, though, and I'll tell you why I don't love it, but my biggest reason for liking this hire, Mike McCarthy, is because of the experience. He has a Super Bowl championship. You cannot take that away. You can say it's because he had Aaron Rodgers and and, and a, a really good defense led by Clay Matthews that year, who was probably playing at his peak during that 2010 season. But... They answered that as a wild card. They went on a crazy run, and the, he, he's had other appearances appearances in the NFC Championship game, uh, if not for some you know bad onside kicks and things going wrong. Uh, I don't really hold that him responsible for that um, in the way that game went up in Seattle. He could have been in a second Super Bowl. So uh, this is a coach that I think will bring stability. Um, he has more personality, in my opinion, than Jason Garrett. He's more real than a Jason Garrett. Um, I think he's going to really like to work with Dak. So overall, I like it, but I don't love it from the standpoint of um, is he going to be able to light a fire underneath guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball? I don't know if that's Mike Nolan. I don't know if that's Mike McCarthy. Do we keep Chris Richard as the passing game coordinator on defense? I don't know. But out of everybody available, he he was the guy. He's the right hire for this team at this point. Um, I, and I will disagree with anyone who says otherwise, because you could have told me urban Meyer and Lincoln Riley, but I don't want a guy coming in. Who's never coached a lick of NFL football. I don't want a guy coming in who has no experience experience in the, in the NFL. Yes. As head coaches, which is why those two guys, uh, should have came up as names in my opinion for the giants and other people who have head coaching experience, but from the college straight to the pros with this roster, I like Mike McCarthy, and, and I look forward to seeing the, the next few moves because it's going to depend on how well he does based upon the guys that he keeps and the guys that he brings in. Well, we'll see what happens with that team. You know, so we got a long way to go before we find out what's going to happen. That's the bad part about this stuff. It's like, well, the draft. We got the draft to see whether, what, what coaches kind of preferred, whether it's Judge yeah, or Rule right. or McCarthy. And, and you know we want to see how the team plays. That's know. yeah, in-game but. adjustments. That was the Cowboys' biggest problem. So it'll be interesting to see how we start games and how we finish them. Yep. So now let's move on. We're just going to recap really quickly the last week games. Uh, Texans beat the Bills. The Titans beat the Patriots. The Saints lost to the Vikings, and the Seahawks beat the Eagles. Um, as you know, we all picked our games last week. Uh, we all picked the Saints and failed miserably. Um, I picked the Texans. Gio picked the Texans. Anthony picked the Bills. Me and Anthony picked the Titans. Gio picked the Patriots. 
Um, so it really all came down to Eagles or Seahawks, and they both picked the Seahawks. I picked the Eagles, so we all kind of tied it up. And yeah, you know, there were places it, we went, we all went wrong, and places we we went right. And uh, you know, just to recap, you the shocking thing is where does this leave the Saints? You know, the Vikings advance. The biggest thing from Wild Card Weekend AFC and NFC is the fact that three road teams won. The only home team won needed overtime. And frankly, the most bizarre sack, non-sack I've ever seen where you're going to get pummeled for a 10-yard loss and then a guy from the other side hits you right back up. Credit to Deshaun Watson. He's a strong dude. I'm not taking anything away from him. But that was bizarre. You know, third down, you got to make a play. And then to throw it to a guy who's beyond the sticks, he's not even ahead of the first down marker, and then takes it off for 34 yards and sets up the game-winning field goal kind of crazy but credit to the texans but that's what it took i mean the bills had them on the ropes had a 16 point lead um at one point in the game so my biggest takeaway is three road teams um i think that's going to flip this week i think the home teams will perform better but we're going to get to that in just a minute so any big takeaways austin you have from the wild card weekend yeah if you listen last week you'll have a certain somebody who said do you really think the Patriots dynasty is going to end at Tannehill's hands? The answer is yes, sort of. Tannehill, <laughs> do what do you have? Seventy-four yards. <laughs> it was Mister Derrick Henry. Oh my but gosh! We knew Tennessee could go in there and win because let's be real, this wasn't the same Patriots team as always, and they proved it. They kept it close, but who knows what's going to happen? We'll talk about Brady and all that stuff another time in the coming weeks. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get into it about his future, but that's my big takeaway. The Patriots dynasty might have ended because a loss to the Dolphins and then a loss to Tennessee with a quarterback who has ties to the Dolphins that nobody thought he could do it. And now, hey, he's got a even worse test next week, which let's get into that. We're going to start yep. talking about next week's games. Um, first game of the week is Vikings at 49ers. At, at this point, I, 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 I'm going to say every game's a big game, so I'm not even going to repeat myself and say big game every time. Every game's a big game. This is what we're at. We're in the divisional round. Here we go. Vikings upset the Saints. Now they got to go play the 49ers, and I think they could do it again. Will they? Personally, I'm going to pick the 49ers to win because I think the 49ers are more, I can't really say complete team. They're both very complete teams, but I just feel like they have the better defense. And I think if I think they're going to be able to stop Dalvin Cook and they're going to force uh, Kirk Cousins to, to win the game. And he did that against the Saints, but I don't think he does it this week. But don't be surprised if the Vikings win again because... As they've been talking about all year, they're probably one of the top three most complete teams in the league, offense and defense. So I wouldn't be surprised. I have the 49ers winning. Uh, who do you got? You got Vikings or, or 49ers? I have San Fran winning. Um, this first uh, game of theirs, um, that bye week always helps a team prepare, watch. Um, you know, the Vikings did something that a lot of people didn't think they could do, which is win at New Orleans in the first round. Um, but it was all about limiting Drew Brees. I mean, there was a point where he had like 20 completions, but I think under 150 yards. So what he wasn't going anywhere. 
You know, there was no big plays to be had. And a lot of that had to do with where's Latavius Murray? Where's Alvin Kamara? Where's the establishing of the run against Minnesota? Minnesota's just going to make enough plays. And in the end, it took overtime, but they did it. Here with San Fran, they have an array of backs, starting with Raheem Mostert, surprisingly enough, Tevin Coleman, Matt Burita of guys that can do things. But the biggest X factor is what linebacker or safety is Harrison Smith going to come down? What's going to happen? He's he's borderline unstoppable, but George Kittle is going to make his share of plays in this game. Uh, he's going to turn it up a notch, and I think the, that will just set up them scheming the way that Kyle Shanahan likes to run the ball. Uh, and so with that happening, Kirk Cousins is going to have limited um, opportunities to score, and when he has limited opportunities to score, that's going to force him into uh, so, some some bad situations. Um, and when and and when this team forces you into some third and longs or b- even bad situations, bad starting field positions, they get after you. Starting with Bosa up front, so there's there's going to be a lot of that to deal with. I think Minnesota hangs around. They try to stick with the Mike Zimmer game plan, which is play good defense. I don't see Garoppolo. Um, having a, a tremendous game here, even with guys like in the, in the secondary, like Xavier Rhodes and others not playing up to snuff. I just don't, I don't see that being even needed. Honestly, like I said, Kittle will make his plays. Um, Debo Samuel is difficult to tackle. So if Minnesota comes in this game, not ready to tackle, they could get run off, run, run off the field quickly with the way that they could run the ball. And Debo Samuel breaks tackles. Emmanuel Sanders, maybe have w- one play, uh, maybe two, but again, it's not going to be because of Garoppolo. I think it's going to be because of this team, that the way they run the ball, George Kittle, and ultimately they're going to put the pressure on Minnesota. Minnesota hung in, even getting to overtime. But if you remember, they had the lead. So it was it was New Orleans who was fighting back. So what happens when when uh, Kirk Cousins is down 20-10 to 10 and, and then 23-10? You know, where's the momentum go? Um, so I have San Francisco moving on. I agree. So let's move on to the game that people are probably like, this is the easiest pick of the week. Titans at Ravens. I got to say, I'm going to pick the Ravens to win, but I will not be surprised if they lose. This Tennessee team is going in there. Probably nobody's going to pick them to win except Tennessee fans. They're going in there such an underdog, which is like the perfect for an upset there this because let's 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 think about it vikings 49ers you could 50 50 it texans chiefs you could 50 50 it seahawks packers you could 50 50 it ravens titans is probably like 90 10 all everybody's picking the ravens this is the perfect recipe for an upset do i think it's going to happen no i still i still think the ravens are going to win but i would not be surprised if tennessee goes in there upsets the Ravens and everybody's just going to be like, what in the world just happened? Now I know Gio who you're going to pick because they're your Super Bowl pick. Unfortunately, my Super Bowl pick is out. I had the Saints. So now I'm just going to go with my other team, which I'll talk about in the next, uh, next game. Um, but I'm pretty sure you're going to pick the Ravens, but do you agree with me that this has some sort of recipe that there could be an upset just from how underdog they're going into this game? Well, first off, uh, happy 23rd birthday to Lamar Jackson um, today. And uh, no, I don't think that this is even, um, you know, you always got to say every team has, you play the game for a reason. Every team has a shot. 
this is one of those games that they're going to try to play the way the Ravens play. The only difference is, is they have Ryan Tannehill and they have Lamar Jackson. And I, I like, I like both defenses here. Uh, one team runs the ball really well in Tennessee and one team runs the ball better than any team has ever run the ball in the history of football. So they're going to run the ball. They're going to control the clock as much as Tennessee would like to do that. As much as Mike Vrabel uh, would love to get another signature win, the way the players reacted, they knew and believed they could go into New England. They weren't scared of New England. They knew they could go in there and beat New England. And I think they're going to be on a high, and they're not going to know what hit them in the mouth when they when they start. The problem is it's not like they just played a Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson who's a little bit mobile. They just played Tom Brady. So to go from Tom Brady to Lamar Jackson, almost polar opposites in terms of athleticism. Uh, now, Lamar is still going to deliver some strikes from the pocket. I think the tight ends are going to be huge in this game for Baltimore. And eventually, there's just there's no way for me to describe it. But the special, other than the uniqueness and the special qualities of the Baltimore Ravens as a unit, as a team, and it sounds strange, but the morale and the swag is just going to take over at some point. And I think that's when a Marquise Brown, a Mark Andrews, a Miles Boykin, somebody makes a big play. Mark Ingram ends up flicking the ball and laying down in the end zone with his head on his hand. I think you're going to see some really big plays. Um, everyone's maybe waiting for the decline of a Lamar Jackson. Lamar feels like his season now begins now. Um, the way he speaks, he remembers what Anthony Lynn did with putting six, seven DBs on the field in that playoff game um, at home a year ago. I think he learned a lot from that. Um, again, another year under his belt, an MVP year under his belt. But as the Ravens have said, the AFC North isn't enough. And so I think this is a matchup where they expose Tannehill. You remember Tannehill threw that pick in the late third or early fourth quarter against New England, and you almost felt like, ah, here we go. They're going to go down and score. It's only a one-point game at this point. And Julian Edelman drops one of the worst passes of his career. He led the NFL in drops this year. So Brady didn't have a lot to work with. Um, on a side note, the Titans just don't, to me, have enough to match this Baltimore team in Baltimore. And so I'm taking Baltimore big, um, 35, excuse me, 30, 38 to 20. Okay, 18-point W. Big, big, that's what I'm saying. I feel like yeah. people are on your side where they, they it just seems like they have will, no chance. It will be close, and they do. every And Derrick Henry, nobody wants to start tackling him in the fourth. But the reason why that was even made possible is because it was a one-point lead by Tennessee. Whereas in this game, I don't know if in the fourth they're going to have a one-point lead, so you may not be able to say, hey, tackle Derrick Henry now. You've been tackling him for two and a half, three quarters. They were able to do that to New England and do it well. So that's where I think that because they're more explosive than New England on the offensive side. Well, for sure. That's, yeah, so... I mean, duh. They're like the most explosive team on offense in in the league. Speaking of explosive offensive teams, I think there's another team in that AFC that could keep up with them. And I'm speaking of the Chiefs. The Texans play the Chiefs this weekend. And I have the Chiefs winning. And I got the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl now because I had them playing the Saints. And now that the Saints are out, I'm just going to go with my other Super Bowl pick because, you know, if I pick them to be in the Super Bowl, I think they can win the Super Bowl even though I had the Saints. I think this game is going to be a shootout. 
Watson's going to go against Mahomes, and it's going to be great. You're going to see two young studs just going at it. And what what we got to see is, will the Chiefs' defense be good enough to let the Chiefs' offense carry them? And what I mean by that is where the Chiefs have had struggles this year is that their defense is so bad that they're on the field too much, and they're just allowing the other team to continuously run the clock. Because, you know, on offense, if you go three and out and then the other team holds the ball for 10 minutes, that's that's a failure. So if the Chiefs can be good enough to get get the offense back on the field, I think Patrick Mahomes is just going to keep dinking and ducking and just tear it up. I have the Chiefs winning. Uh, do you agree with me, though, on my standpoint of the Chiefs versus hopefully the Ravens is going to be the AFC championship? And it's about to be an explosive boom, 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 boom type of game, even though this game could do the same thing. But Or do you have the Texans winning? I have the Chiefs winning. I have the Chiefs traveling to Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. Um, I think the Texans, as explosive as they can be, we saw they're not – and even throughout the year, you would think Hop, Hopkins and, and, and Watson are going to get theirs. But can Carlos Hyde really establish? Can Duke Johnson really establish – if not, then you know the Chiefs have some guys like Frank Clark and others who are going to come who are going to come get you. And this is a playoff game, so a name you need to watch out for that was claimed off of waivers, who said he wouldn't play for any other team than his former team, said, you know what, I'm going to give this a go, and that's Terrell Suggs, T. Sizzle. He's going to get limited snaps, but when he's on the field, watch out because we saw last week, even from the Deshaun Watson heroics, he took wait, a beat. Wait, wait, wait. What team is he on? Terrell Suggs is on the Chiefs. When the heck did he get there? Was this, yeah, was so it, was this recently? Got, like what? He, when did this he, happen? The the Cardinals decided to part way. He he said oh, I know I, that, but I I didn't think he was going to sign anywhere. When no, he, he got claimed off waivers. Uh, week fourteen. Um, oh, he's been there for weeks. That shows you how much I paid attention. <laughs> yeah, so T Sizzle's there. You know, I think that's going to make a big difference. Um, again. Uh, who, uh, you know, other playmakers like the Honey Badger. Um, remember he where he was before this uh, was with Houston. So, yeah. you know, there's, there, there's a lot of key matchups here. Ultimately, Mahomes' consistency will overcome Watson's heroics. Um, because remember, that they were down 16-0 in this playoff game a week ago at home. To me, Houston doesn't have – they don't have the four-quarter mentality – and Andy Reid's a three-and-a-half-quarter guy because we've seen Andy Reid's offenses kind of hit a stalemate sometimes late in games. But I think it's just going to be too much because of the tight end position. The way they scheme Travis Kelsey open is going to make a huge difference. And ultimately, I do have Kansas City eventually pulling away, the defense causing a couple turnovers because Deshaun is under duress, and ultimately they can't establish the run, and it's Hopkins and sometimes stills, and sometimes fuller or bust. And so with that being said, I also have the Chiefs winning this game. All right. And last but not least, the Seahawks at the Packers. That game is going to be interesting because I think this is the closest game, like 50-50-wise, that you could choose. And, you know, Seahawks-Packers, they always want to bring the drama, just like Cowboys-Packers, the those two teams, when they play the Packers, bring the drama. Will there be drama this week? I don't know. We'll see what happens. I think home field advantage is going to work very well for the Packers 
because as we mentioned last week, nobody wants to play in Lambeau in the winter except the Giants, of course. But, <laughs> you know, w- will the defense shine and be able to stop Wilson? And will Aaron Rodgers show up and Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, will they show up, care, be able to score on the Seattle defense? I personally think so. I have the Packers winning. I think I think all the ones and twos are going to win this week. I just think I think they're the ones and twos for a reason. I think they're that good. Um, but for me, this is this is like a fifty-one forty-nine. Like I just barely picked the Packers, even though I had the Eagles beating the Seahawks last week, and then Carson Wentz went down. I just thought the Eagles were going to do some magic, sneak into the playoffs, take out the Seahawks. But uh, this week, I just I just think you know Packers got it. They'll win the game. Uh, what do you think? Are you flipping towards Seattle? I know you picked the Packers to be in the Super Bowl, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're going to pick the Packers, but let me see if your mind has changed. Not at all. I'm sticking with Green Bay. Uh, you brought up the number one reason, home field advantage. Number two, where has Seattle impressed you this year? Honestly, they've, they they battled a division foe really tightly and even won one in overtime. Outside of that, they, they lost at home to Teddy Bridgewater in, in, in bad fashion. They lost at home to Lamar Jackson. They lost to the Cardinals and, and Kyler Murray in bad fashion. So um, they've had some hiccups. And, and let's be real. Two times they go to Philly and win 17-9. Score, same outcomes. One time with Carson Wentz for the whole game. One time, and that was with Zach Ertz. And one time with none of the weapons. And Josh McCown running around, God bless him. I was so happy he got in and got to do stuff in that game. I kind of, at that point, wanted the Eagles to win just for Josh McCown's sake. But they didn't put that team away. It took a third and whatever play call to be really, I mean, Pete Carroll, you think you learned your lesson with just running the ball in those kinds of game situations. You're really lucky it worked out because you have a freak at the wide receiver position in DK Metcalf to ice the game. But outside of that, it's a one-possession game still. So they didn't impress me in putting away a team they should have put away. DK Metcalf had a breakout playoff game. But where was Hollister, Mr. Abercrombie, and Fitch himself? Where was uh, Tyler Lockett? You know, he's he's he should be getting down the field, getting open. Where are these guys? And Marshawn Lynch, you know, six carries for seven yards. But that touchdown was sweet. Look for him to do some more uh, this week, as Carol has said. But to me... What you said is so right. This is the closest one, hardest one to pick. But what have the Green Bay Packers done all year? Win close ball games. What have the Seahawks done all year? Win close ball games. I like the Packers because they'll just win it ugly. They'll find the way. And if in the event that Aaron Rodgers shows up because he hasn't for the for the last six seven games, I mean they're winning games where he has zero touchdowns and and a pick and a and 180 yards. I mean he's having pedestrian games and they're winning by two scores. Why is that? Because of the his buddy, his other buddy named Aaron, and that's Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones establishes this game early. He sets the tone. Um, and then on defense, they just got guys that a lot of people don't realize. Green Bay did something different. Green Bay is always about staying in-house. They finally went and spent money in free agency. So as much as people want to say, oh, Mike McCarthy, you know, he's gone. Look what Matt LaFleur did. They never let Mike McCarthy spend that kind of money you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball in free agency, that's a that's like a, a Packers no no, and they finally let let that organization do it, and it's reaping, and, and so in, and and it's paying dividends. 
for what that team was able to do in Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and, and um, Amos and some of these guys. They're making plays. I think it's going to be too little, too late from Russell Wilson. He'll make some splash plays. He'll keep him in there. He'll, he always will, even when he's down two, three scores. But ultimately, the Packers get out with an ugly victory and move on to the NFC Championship. And there you have it, folks. That's the end of the episode. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Do you agree with our picks? Do you not agree with our picks? Um, you know, what do you think about the the coaches hirings? Just let us know. Follow us on Twitter at ttriocast. T T R I O C A S T. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or be honest and give us whatever rating you, you think we deserve. And But be nice about it. If you're going to rate us and give us a review, just be truthful but don't be mean is all we ask because uh, we're here to learn and we're trying to improve ourselves and uh, you know hopefully we're doing a good job. Uh, next week, we'll, we'll probably talk about the games again a little bit. Any news, we don't really expect there to be too much news. Maybe the Browns will have their head coach by then, but that's about it. Um, and then maybe if anything crazy happens. And um, we also have a little bit planned for next week, but we'll, that'll be a little surprise. Uh, Gio, any final words for the people? Yeah, tune in next week, as, we, as Austin said. Enjoy playoff football uh, this weekend. Um, hopefully your team has made the so far offseason coaches coaching changes that you've preferred or at least can start to get into. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward and this is a new year and we're going to try to do some new things. So be on the lookout for that. And that is all. I hope everybody has a wonderful day or night, depending on what time you listen to the podcast and, um, see you next week. See you guys.